All right, welcome back. We are here today talking about the doctrine of Christ. We talked part one last week kind of about the virgin birth, why that was important, and what that means for Christianity. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about um, the idea of God or the idea of Jesus being fully God and at the same time being fully man, which is one of those things that we, you know, we learned it as a kid and it's a difficult concept and we kind of just we kind of just file it away as I've learned this. It's true, but, but we kind of need to dive into it and talk about why it's important. So let's do it. All right. And before we uh, dive into that specific question, um, from time to time, I'm asked about, you know, material to read and is there, you know, something that can be helpful. So uh, specifically uh, I mentioned this book last week, but if you are interested in reading about the doctrine of Christ. I'm going to recommend this book here. This is by Tony Evans, you know, who is this King of glory. And it literally is about Jesus. I mean, it's and it approaches it like a systematic theology talks about the person of Christ, the prophecies, the typology, the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Christ talks about his return talks about his authority over nature, Satan, disease, demons, sin, circumstances, trial, death. But it also has a section uh, on how we pursue Christ, you know. So it, it, it takes it from just a doctrinal approach to more of an application. So how do we exalt Christ? How do we love Christ, you know, obey Christ, follow Christ, things of that nature. So anyway, I would recommend that. It's an easy read about the doctrine of Christ. Um, now, the next two books that, these two books are systematic theology books. And that's just what they are. And uh, the titles sound boring. The covers look boring. <laughs> uh, but if you want to dive into some more, some lower levels, uh, or I don't want to say deeper levels, but sometimes more complicated levels, and get into more of the details of some of these things that we're talking about. These books will help you get there. And the two books I'm going to mention, they're not, you know, you don't have to have a PhD to read. Okay. All right. I mean, they are written for normal people who have an interest in what we're talking about. Well, here's one systematic theology by Wayne Grudem. Yes. Yes. All right. Now let me, let me do a preference here. Every single book <laughs> I recommend I personally have a problem with something in it. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, when you get a hold of a systematic theology book that is that thick, mm-hmm. you're going to be reading, you're going, uh, I don't know about that. So, but however, it does, he does a good job at just going through answering questions, giving you something to refer to, to think about, to start with. Okay. So now another one, um, it's a new one that just came out. I say came out about a year ago. Uh, there is a seminary called the Master's Seminary, okay? And uh, the staff, they, over time, the faculty put together various books that they use for their seminary. Well, they put one together called Biblical Doctrine, okay? And it covers all the major doctrines in the, um, in the Bible. And when we say major doctrine, we mean things like the doctrine of God, doctrine of Jesus, and that's what we're talking about today, Uh, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, and on and on it goes. And so 
And um, I just got this one and I've read a little bit out of it and it is fairly easy to read, um, you know, and so, uh, but now that particular book, the, that one I just showed you, that actually is targeting uh, people going to school to get a degree in theology or ministry or something of that nature. So it's a little bit heavier in the read. But again, I mean, but again, you're talking, we're not talking about a thin book here, okay? So um, uh, I would recommend those for those who want to do some serious reading and study and diving in uh, to see what others are saying out there. So those are, that's my recommendations. Yeah, and I'd, I'd add to, you said, um, and I have one of those, I don't have the other one, but, um, you know, you mentioned you don't agree with everything in the book. And, and I get that, man, I don't think I own a book on theology where I'm like, oh, all of this is perfect and exactly what I agree with. Uh, I'd say the same thing about authors. Um, you know, Grudem and MacArthur have come into the spotlight again recently for some problematic things they've said. Right. Um, that doesn't mean everything they've written is problematic. It just means that some of those problematic things we need to filter, um, you know, through scripture and, and through other books. And, and we need to be able to pick out some good and bad there. Um, and we need to be able to, when we're picking out the good and bad, understand that if you don't feel like you're ready to pick out the good and bad, don't read it. You know, if you feel like, Hey, I can do this, go for it. Or if something feels problematic to you, uh, bring it to us. Cause like I said, I mean, we're not going to agree with all the authors and all the books ever, you know? Right. <clears throat> and actually, you know, for me, I, I like to see what others say. You oh, know? Absolutely. Yeah. And there's a series of well, more than one series, but there's a series of books out there that's kind of like point counterpoint or the different views of this and different views of that. And I love those because um, the different views series uh, will take like, um, you know, say like the, the doctrine of, you know, hell and, and it'll have four views of hell in the book, but it's at, in the each view is actually written by the person who believes that view, right? You know, and they're given like a hundred pages to say, okay, convince us that your view is biblically accurate. And, uh, and those are a lot of those books are usually just written by one author, right. and they're sharing somebody else's view. But the different views series is is excellent because you're actually reading someone who actually believes what they're writing on that particular view. So. Yeah, we actually, um, I've got a couple of friends that are just in different theological camps. Um, I mean, talking about hell, one's a universalist. So every once in a while, he'll point me to a book that says, hey, check this out. What, you know, what does the Bible say about universalism? And we'll kind of exchange on that. Right. I've got friends, man, that will do blacklisted book competitions, or it's like, show me your best blacklisted book. You know, the book that you can't say you own. You know? <laughs> and we look at a theology book that's going, Oh yeah, man, I get in trouble if I said I'd, right. I'd own that one. So, you know, um, but there are, there are books that we need to read to understand where other right. people are coming from. So. Yeah. So. And it helps you just kind of get well-rounded on your theology. Absolutely. And, uh, um, you know, can you read the Bible and only and come, you know, end up on solid theology? Sure. If your thinking's right. Okay. That is the one theology book that I will agree with everything in just so you know. <laughs> yeah. Even if just I don't understand that out it, there. the Bible is correct. Okay? Just to put that out there. Yeah. <laughs> just throw that out there. Even, yeah. Uh, but it's nice that the Bible talks about learning from one another. You know what I'm saying? Pass things down from one 
man to another. And so, uh, uh, and I think it's important that we read from other people who seem to know more than we know. Well, it's just kind of like when we, like, you know, the times where we invited, uh, uh, Dr. Bingham, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, could we have just talked about the same stuff without him? Absolutely. Um, but however, he brought a lot to the table, you know, because that's his specialty is theology. And so he's thought and wrote a lot more about it than we have. And, uh, and it's nice to be able to pick those guys brains and see how they view things. And so, uh, I just ordered a book this morning that like is causing minor explosions among some in the evangelical community. So we'll see how that goes. I'll let you know how it is. <laughs> anyway, well, I've started, I just, uh, I got a new book myself since we're talking about books. Yeah. Um, let's see here. It's called, I can't remember the title because I mean, I just started the thing and there was, um, uh, I don't want to recommend it yet mm-hmm. until, uh, but the concept is very interesting. It's, uh, it's about being able to fluently speak the gospel language with people who don't speak church language. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. In other words, you know, like Jesus, he would do the whole, uh, the woman at the well kind of a thing. And he would talk about the gospel with stuff from the yeah. angle. She knew it. Yeah. And it's talking about learning how to speak the gospel language mm-hmm. to your generation. And so, uh, uh, very fascinating. Uh, I mean, it's not, it's not just a witnessing book. It's really about, well, you know, cause a lot of times, you know, even as a, as a pastor, there are times where, I mean, I'm 51 and there are times where I catch myself using church language that I picked yep. up 25 years ago that may not connect at all mm-hmm. today. And that's what he's talking about. So right. How do we do that on a one-on-one kind of a thing? Right. And uh, it's easy to, uh, it's, it's easy to do, man, to speak your language when it comes to the gospel. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, are we ready now? Sure. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Okay. There you go. <laughs> All right. Is Jesus fully God and fully man? Well, uh, absolutely. Okay. Uh, again, this is one of those things that makes Jesus Jesus. It also is one of those things that sets Christianity completely apart from other religions. And, um, so, all right, let's talk about Jesus being fully God for a moment. Um, Again, we are not going to be able to do this justice in the time that we have, but I do want to give you a taste of what the Bible has to say about Jesus being fully God. And, um, and we'll also talk a little bit why this fully God, fully man thing is important uh, to us. So, all right, Jesus being fully God. All right, so the Bible plainly says Jesus is God. Here are a few examples out of many in the Bible. For example, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23 refers to Jesus as Emmanuel, which means God with us. Okay, that's, I mean, that's up in your face there, okay? Um, In John chapter 20, verse 28, Thomas calls Jesus my Lord and my God, okay? Uh, Romans 9, 5 speaks of the Christ who is God over all. I mean, I just, I don't know how you, I don't know how people miss this. Uh, Titus 2.13 refers to 
our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, that's just blunt. Uh, one more. Uh, Titus 3.4 calls Jesus God our Savior. Okay, so, I, I mean, that, and that's a small sample of what the Bible is claiming about who Jesus is. And so, but also the Bible also gives Jesus various names of God, like Lord in Romans 10, 9. And, and even in Revelation, Jesus is described as the Alpha and Omega, you know, the first and the last, the beginning and end. This, this is a title description that you only give to God. Uh, when you read the Bible, you also discover that Jesus has the attributes of God. Again, I'm just going to give you a few examples of many that's in the Bible. For example, uh, God is eternal and immortal. And so 1 Timothy 1.17 describes Jesus the same way. Uh, in Matthew 28, Jesus is omnipotent. Um, you know, uh, and then in Matthew 11, He's described as omniscient, so he's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. Um, Jesus is described as the creator, the creator in Hebrews chapter 1, uh, the sustainer of all creation in Colossians chapter 1, and he's described as sovereign in 1 Corinthians 15. And so, I mean, again, taken together along with others, you know, that we didn't even mention, there is strong evidence that Jesus is God. Um, and the, the, the evidence just becomes more and more overwhelming. Also, God the Father said Jesus is God in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8. Demons said Jesus was God in Mark chapter 1. I mean, you just, it just goes on and on. And, and I'll just give you one more here. Jesus did the works of God like heal the sick, walk on water, calm storms, raise the dead. I mean... This is God kind of stuff we're talking about. But when you take it all that in, um, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, I think summarizes all this. And the Bible says, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. Okay, so what we're talking about is we're talking about a person called Jesus, and last week we learned that he was born of a virgin, this miraculous birth, and because of that miraculous birth, God being involved, and a woman, a human being involved, we have this fully God, fully man concept being developed. And so, so far, we've seen that just briefly, overwhelmingly, that Jesus is fully God. Now, before we get into the human side, Chris, you got anything on the fully God thing? Yeah. Um, did you mention John 1? I don't think I heard that. I did not mention that John is, 1. For me, man, when I saw that, that is the big dog here. Um, in John 1, verses 1 through 5, John keeps referencing this thing, the Word. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he's talking about Jesus. So Jesus was God. Jesus you know, Jesus was with God. Jesus already existed. And so, yeah, I mean, it doesn't, like you said about a couple of the other ones, it doesn't get much clearer than that. Yeah. And I'm always confused, not confused. It just astounds me when you have people who say they study the Bible, 
but then they say Jesus is not God. I, I just don't even know. Yeah, I mean, you really it, have to ignore yeah. a lot of the Bible to get there. You have you know? to sidestep a ton of stuff. Oh, man. Or explain away things that just can't be explained away. Right, right, right. And, yeah. and you have to do that over and over and over, yep. verse after verse after verse after verse. Right. Uh, which is nuts. Mm -hmm. uh, and I realized that, you know, talking about or believing that a person that walked on this planet, you know, is God in the flesh. I mean, mm -hmm. you cannot believe that unless God helps you to believe it. I mean, that's right. just the bottom line. I mean, that is, that's right. amazing, you know, sure. astounding. Um, okay. So let's talk about Jesus being fully man uh, for a moment. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, the Bible affirms the humanity of Jesus Christ in a variety of ways. Again, it's endless with this. Uh, you know, the Bible does not hide the fact that Jesus is fully God and it does not hide the fact that Jesus is fully man. Okay. So just some very basic things about the humanity of Jesus. First of all, he was born of a woman. Okay. Um, you know, when he was born, he was a baby. He cried. I mean, he did all the things that babies do. Okay. Um, he had brothers and sisters. Eventually he was raising a family. Uh, the Bible says Jesus grew phys No. Okay. Luke chapter two, verse 42 is probably like the number one humanity verse about Jesus, or at least Luke two fifty two. Oh, two fifty two. That's ah, ah, I know yeah. that because our curriculum for, um, for gen kids, we just changed, but the one we've been using for five years is called two, five, two. And it's all about growing in wisdom and in stature and in favor right. of God and man. So, yeah. So yeah, when you look, yeah when so you I look, got you, man, there we go. Yeah, you, yeah there you go. <laughs> I yeah. only know it because of that, but yeah. <laughs> and when you look at that verse, I mean, it's really just summarizing that Jesus grew like a human being, you know, physically, spiritually, that wisdom part, you know, mentally, socially, you know? And so, um, and he learned, the Bible talks about him learning. Uh, the Bible talks about him becoming tired, you know? Uh, he slept, he grew hungry, became thirsty. I mean, these are all human characteristics. Uh, he had a job, he was a carpenter, you know what I'm saying? Um, wouldn't it be cool to have Jesus, some furniture Jesus made for Jesus you? Jesus built my house extension. Yes. Yes. Or he built that chair for me. He built my back deck. <laughs> yeah, you know. Okay. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And when you look at Jesus' social life, I mean, he celebrated holidays. Right. He went to parties. He loved his mom. He also prayed, worshiped, you know, went to the synagogue, obeyed God the Father, you know, Jesus was emotional, you know, like humans. Uh, he, the Bible talks about him experiencing grief, compassion, stress, astonishment, happiness. He also wept, he cried. So uh, there's a lot going on there. Oh, yeah. um, so when we were talking about the humanity of Jesus, it's very clear that he's human. But again, now keep in mind, because of that virgin birth that we talked about last week, because he's fully God and fully man, he was, he never sinned through being a human. I mean, he is the perfect example of what life looks like for a human without sin. Um, uh, 
when you're walking around a bunch of sinners. Uh, so, okay, now, 1 John chapter 4, verse 2 uh, speaks to what we're talking about. And so let me read it to you. It says this. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, talking about being a human, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, talking about him being God in the flesh, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. So again, now when we're talking about Jesus being fully God and fully man, according to 1 John 4, we're not talking about a minor issue. We're talking about a major issue um, when it comes uh, to this understanding who Jesus is, being fully God, fully man. Because if you don't get the fully God, fully man thing, the rest of Jesus' life is not going to make sense to you. It's just not going to work. Uh, you're going to be confused from here on out. So you've got to nail uh, this part of it down. Right, Chris, you got uh, any thoughts on the, the fully man side of this? No, I don't think so. We we talk about it though. I mean, yeah, sure. We talk about it when we're um when I am kind of presenting the gospel in a succinct way to a to a child. I mean, that's one of the things that we go over, you know, when we're going over that section. Jesus came, he was God, he was also fully man because it's so important that they grasp that. It's so important that they understand that you know, the reason that Jesus could serve as a sacrifice for our sins is the fact that he was a man and he was still blameless. He was still perfect. And that's so important. Um, and when you put the two together, when you put the fully God and fully man together, um, we, we end up in, and I don't know if you're going to talk more about this, but I'll, I'll do mine now. But um, when we put these together the fully god fully man i end up in every time i end up in job this is this is like the second oldest book in the bible and in job uh 9 32 job says something when he's talking to god and he's mad at god he says god is not a mortal like me he's not a man like me so i cannot argue with him i cannot take him to trial he says, if only there were a mediator between us, someone who could bring us together, the mediator could make God stop beating me and I would no longer live in terror of his punishment. <laughs> so it's incredible. The second oldest book in the Bible and Job blurts out, I need Jesus. <laughs> and he has no idea what he just said, but it, it goes back all the way almost to the beginning of time the idea that we needed a mediator, someone with his foot in both camps that can now say, I am God and yeah. I am man. I can mediate. Yeah. That's uh that verse is in, uh, in the new Testament was first Peter. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Could you look I it up? Remember, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's there. Um, uh, because I know that, okay, when I first got, well, not when I first got saved, but when uh, I started caring about other people coming to know about Christ, um, 
there was, uh, and it's still fairly popular today. There's a, um, a gospel presentation or salvation presentation called the bridge illustration. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and his key verses that, uh, first Peter, do you first have that Timothy, verse? First Timothy two, oh. five, there's one, one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Jesus Christ. Yeah. First yeah. Timothy, what? Uh, two, five. Yeah. First Timothy two, five. Um, we have to Google verses too sometimes. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. if you have to Google. Hey, verses. you know what? Yeah. Let's <laughs> talk about that. Yeah. I was, uh, okay. So I was talking to a guy a few weeks ago, uh, and, okay, let me back up just a minute. Let me just this, this might bless somebody. This might free yes. somebody up. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So okay, so I used to uh, be a chaplain at a prison, and uh, and I had some guys work for me that were offenders in the prison. And one particular guy was, um, you know, he was like into the word. I mean, he was highly intelligent. I mean, he he was a believer, been in jail for about twenty years of his life, kind of thing, you know. So anyway, but during that time he got saved and started growing and I mean, highly, I mean, highly intelligent, you know, in the word and committed to it. And, um, I mean, he wasn't just fluff. I mean, he was, he was like the real deal. So anyway, he loved talking to me about, you know, the Bible and stuff when, when, when we had time. And one time he, one day he was in my office and he said, uh, he asked about some verse and, or in, in some obscure book. And I went to the concordance section or the index of the content section, I mean, of my Bible to find that book in the Bible. Yep. He said, okay, now at the prison, they called me Dr. Stott. Okay. So they said, Dr. Stott, you mean you don't, ha you don't know where that book is? I said, yeah, I know about where it is, but I said, I just found it easier to go to the content page. And just look up page 1,000. Oh, it says page 1,345. Yeah. I you love know? the Bible app. I just click on the name of the book, man. Yeah. yeah. But no, I mean, I'll, I'll give verses to kids all the time and stuff. I may not know the reference. I can know the verse, right. but I'm not very good at references. Right. That's okay. Yeah. It's okay. And, and so, you know, and he said, and then he started asking me about, uh, well, you know, don't you memorize scripture stuff? I said, well, it all depends. I said, I go in phases. There are times where I memorize scripture. There are times I don't. And there are times where the scriptures I have memorized with the references, I have forgotten the reference. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, and, uh, and, and so for the Christians out there watching this, if you feel bad that you're sitting in church and the pastor says, you know, take your Bible and open to whatever, and you have a Bible in your lap instead of a, you know, an app or something, uh, and you've got to look it up in the contents. That's okay. You know, and, um, you know, it's not the end of the world. So hopefully that frees you up that even, you know, us guys, you know, pastors and Dr. Stotts out there, you know, we still have to look things up, you know, and, uh, I used to feel really bad about it, you know, especially, you know, I felt like I had to, since I was a pastor, I mean, I had to make sure I knew where everything was just off the top of my head, you know, and, Yep. Somewhere along the way, I got over that. Okay. Yep. <laughs> and so, um, okay. You said that was first, <laughs> first Timothy chapter two. What? I think it was first Timothy two, five. I, uh, okay, I yeah, closed yeah. my browser there, man. Yeah, so. it's okay. Yeah. I got it. I got it right here. So it says, um, uh, yeah, you read it while ago for there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. The man, Christ Jesus. 
Now that's in right now. We don't have time to unpack all that, but uh, uh, really what that's saying is, I mean, that's a perfect bridge illustration. Jesus in the middle. We're on one side. God's on the other. We're separated by this great gulf created by sin. Jesus comes along who is both man, humanity, and God. And he's able to die on the cross, sacrifice, create the bridge that connects us, brings us two together. And uh, when you're talking about Jesus being fully man and fully God, you're, you're seeing the importance of that in that verse where, it, where we're brought together. And uh, without him being fully God and fully man, salvation would have never happened. Yeah, the so, mediator. Right. In those terms, the mediator would have had to have a view to reconcile both. Right. And that doesn't happen if the mediator is biased or if right. the mediator only, you know, understands one side. Right. So, so he fully understands both sides, and right. uh, but being sinless in that process. And, and that's good news for us. And so, uh, again, the more you understand who Jesus is, this doctrine of Christ, the more amazed and astounded and in awe you become of who Jesus is. Right. Um, and, and, oh, by the way, when we say fully God, fully man, we're not talking 50% man, 50% God equaling, equaling 100%. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking fully God. Right fully man and um uh and and but then people will say well then why did jesus have to pray and all that kind of stuff well because he decided to empty himself of some stuff you know and there are times where he's operating strictly as a human right. and then there are times he's operating as god i mean it's just uh but it's perfect sinless operation it's just mm -hmm. an amazing thing to read and watch jesus do what he does you know when he goes to sleep and he's eating he's operating as a human Okay. When he's walking on water, casting out demons, raising the dead. Okay. He's operating as God at that point. So, but, uh, anyway, uh, good stuff. Anything yeah. else, Chris? No, that's it, man. All right. Well, I guess until next time. Uh, well, okay. So then in the, uh, the next one, uh, we're still going to stay in the doctrine of Christ and we actually just have some questions that we're going through and, um, the next time that we get together, we're going to be talking about uh, the death of Christ. And we're going to try to answer some questions like, okay, why did he die? Okay. Who did he die for? Because there's some controversy about that. Right. You know, who he actually died for. Uh, what difference does the death of Christ make? And why is it necessary? Uh, that's what that will be the next question that we will address. Yep. That sounds great, man. We will uh, see you guys next week. All right, later.